All right. Thank you, Chad. Uh, looking forward to gathering together uh, in homes with some of you. And uh, so appreciate your prayers and just the effort you've made to connect during this season of uh, social distancing, I guess we call it. This morning, I get to talk with you about discovering uh, spiritual gifts in your life. I'm really looking forward to that. This morning, we've been in a series entitled Quenching uh, the Thirst in My Soul. Really believe that Jesus is the answer to that, of course, through the person, the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts. I think we're all uh, a little interested in the working of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. We'd like to understand a little more, maybe learn how to recognize his voice and how he's leading us. And so hopefully this morning will be a little bit of a help. I'm going to jump right into it. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a Bible there, uh, you're welcome to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 uh, down through verse 14. It says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Uh, you know that when you were pagans, <laughs> it's a little bit blunt, but anyway, <laughs> you know when you were pagans, uh, somehow or other, uh, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Uh, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And unfortunately, occasionally we hear that in our culture, someone using Jesus' name in a phrase that's cursing. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, uh, except by the Holy Spirit. Interesting word, uh, Lord there, is the, uh, is the Greek word kurios. It's K-U-R-I-O-S. And... Uh, a couple hundred years before Jesus uh, came to earth and, of course, uh, started his ministry, uh, the, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, uh, was translated into Greek. And when they used the word for Lord or God as creator of all things, uh, as the one who parted the Red Sea, uh, when they praised the Lord in the book of Psalms, uh, they used this word kurios. It's the Greek word for Lord. So... When you declare Jesus is Lord, what you're declaring is that he alone is God. He's over all things, above all things, through all things. He's the almighty God. And I thought it'd be great for us this morning to declare uh, his lordship with our lives. Can we say it together? Jesus is Lord. There's something about saying that that literally, uh, you know, there's a submission in our hearts to his lordship there. Jesus is Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse four, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Uh, now each one, uh, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith uh, by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. Uh, to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the working of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. It's interesting, in the culture in Corinth, they had a lot of different gods, a lot of different statues. 
and uh, a lot of division in their culture as a result of their allegiance to different kinds of gods. And one of the problems in the church in Corinth is there was a lot of division and uh, lining up with different leaders or different teachers and even different gifts of the Spirit as expressions of maybe a different God. And of course, Paul is clarifying that there, saying, no, wait a minute, this is, there's only one Spirit. He's the one who has baptized us into Christ and he's the one that's manifesting all these different gifts, these abilities and this, these powers. There's one Spirit and a lot of different gifts. Verse 12, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but many. I'm gonna say a prayer for us as we get started here this morning. Jesus, it's my heart's desire this morning, Lord, for, for you to draw us close uh, to, to your heart. Lord, we long to be in your presence. I love that song. And Lord, we long to be uh, used by you uh, with the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Lord, for the sake of others, to be able to minister in your name, to be able to minister healing, to, to be able to bring encouragement, to, to be able to help with wisdom, uh, during a circumstance that requires maybe understanding or a decision. Jesus, we want to be your hands extended. We want to be the body of Christ in, in many different ways. Lord, being led by you and uh, being used by you, Lord, to touch the world around us. So, Lord, as we're listening this morning, for each person listening, I want to ask you to open their eyes to ways the Holy Spirit has worked in their life, Lord, in the past, and Lord, in ways that he's longing to work. And I, I really believe, Lord, some of the desires that people are gonna have as we talk about some of these gifts, that, that desire is gonna be there from you for them to grow and to experience, Lord, uh, more of the gifts of their spirit in their life. So we thank you for that this morning. Uh, thanks for hearing all of our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Several summers ago, I was uh, helping up at a summer camp up near the Portland area. The Foursquare Church has a summer camp called Camp Crestview, and they asked me to come up and be one of the teachers up there. And, and so, you know, I was doing what they asked. And uh, one particular night, while we were worshiping, I, f I felt like the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. All of a sudden, in my spirit, not necessarily in my mind, because I didn't really understand it with my mind completely. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, there's something subtle, like a nudge. Sometimes it's a picture. For me, it's often pictures. Apparently, I've got an imagination. But I, I see things, and then I'm working with my mind to try to describe it. And uh, I felt like the Lord showed me a picture of a young man who had turned his back on God. And the, the impression I had, and again, you're trying to put these pieces together with your mind to, to try to define something you feel with your spirit. But I felt like this young man maybe was uh, raised in a Christian home, he knew about God, and that he had experienced a distinct calling on his life, and uh, that God had called him to the ministry. And, and yet, <laughs> he didn't want to go, so to speak. <laughs> he didn't want to follow the Lord. And, and as a result of that, he was kind of living a double life. He was pretending to be one way around his parents and one way at church, and then he was a 
totally different way when he got around his his friends that were that, that were part of the world and weren't Christians yet, and he was just w- living this double standard. I could just, just walking on the fence, maybe so to speak. Anyway, that was kind of the impression that I had, and and I, I wasn't sure if I should share it. It could have been simply something uh, for me to pray about during the service, um, but. I, there was a sense of urgency, like God was calling him back and uh, that I needed to, to maybe share it. So I was a little hesitant. It sounded like probably half the young men that were there that night, a lot of high school kids struggling with their faith at, at camp. But uh, I went up and talked to the director, a young lady who was overseeing the camp and asked her if, uh, if she'd like me to share something I felt the Lord was saying. And so we finished up the worship time and... Uh, there was a ministry time. I think there were some prayers. And then at the end of that, she invited me to come up to share. So I shared what I felt the Lord uh, was saying to someone in particular. And, and then the service continued on. I wasn't the speaker that night. There was another speaker. Uh, at the end of the service, a lot of us were standing around uh, up toward the front. And, and as we were standing around, this young man walked up to me and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, that was me. <laughs> Uh, the Lord's calling me back and he explained that he had felt a distinct calling uh, for ministry and he'd kind of walked away from the Lord and uh, you know, shared a few other things and, and so I prayed with him. It was a blessing for me to be able to pray with him. Now, wh- what, why, why prophecies? Why words of knowledge? What's that all about? It, it says in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 25, the Apostle Paul is talking about the value of prophecy or word of knowledge in a public service. And, you know, the Lord speaks a lot of things to a lot of people during the message. And, and, and that's great. And every person is applying it in different ways in, in their life. I'm surprised sometimes people come up and they'll tell me what they got out of the message. And I thought that wasn't what I was preaching at all. But, but it was the way the Holy Spirit was bringing it alive in their, in their heart. And uh, I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit is personal. He, he works with each one of our lives in personal ways. But, but when, it, when it comes to a specific word of knowledge or, or prophecy sometimes, uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 25, he's describing someone who enter, enters the service and he's talking about the value of, of a word like that. And, and basically what he says in verse 25 is when a word like that is given, he says, the secrets of his heart, referring to the person that comes in or is visiting or maybe he's not a believer yet, the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Uh, some, you know, God is speaking to us all the time, but sometimes we need that encouragement. Uh, sometimes we need a moment, and some of us have had moments in our life where God really convicted us, and we made decisions based on that moment of conviction. And, and, and that was happening that night for that young man. God was touching his heart, and it became a, a major t- turning point in his life. Now, you know, I didn't think about it ever again uh, after that moment, to be honest. Uh, but about four years later, my wife and I were at a pastor's conference, and one of her best friends from college saw us a- across the, the auditorium there, and she came up to say hi. Her and her husband were pastors in Cresswell, Oregon. They, I think they've just recently retired. But um, anyway, she wanted to see my wife, and they, you know, kind of... Uh, so to speak, got reacquainted there and, and, and shared a little bit. And, 
and you know, my wife introduced me, and, and they both kind of looked at me, and they said, so you're the Scott Hines who gave the word to our son at high school camp. I, you know, I didn't know who I gave it to. Um, uh, uh, our son is in Bible school now. <laughs> he, they said that was a major turning point in his life. He rededicated his life to the Lord. He feels a calling to be a pastor. His name is Isaac. And uh, so they were super excited and very thankful for me being obedient to the Lord. I, you know, I didn't do anything, to be honest with you. It was God who loved him. And it, it was God who was calling him back to him and I was simply an errand boy. <laughs> I was just delivering the mail, so to speak. Uh, just sharing from my heart something I think God said. And on that particular night, God used it to call him back. But they were so blessed because, you know, if you're a parent, you know how much you need other people to speak into your children's life to help them stay on the path. And apparently God had, had used me uh, that night to touch his life. Isaac, by the way, uh, finished Bible college. He's a he's a wonderful pastor. He's up in the Salem, Oregon area. Uh, a great, great leader. I get to see him at different um, uh, events for larger churches in Oregon because he's that kind of leader. He's really gifted and a, a powerful young man now in his, uh, in, in his mid-30s. And so it's, it's fun to me, f- fun for me to have been a part of that. And, you know, I'm thankful that the Lord used me in that moment. But Do you believe that God loves people? See, I think you do. God loves people, and he wants to speak to them. And I'm so thankful that God has included us in his plan. Uh, The the gifts of the Holy Spirit are simply a special abilities that God gives us to partner with him as the Holy Spirit is at work in the world. We're, We're continuing the ministry of Jesus on this earth and of course, it's the Holy Spirit who is working through us to touch people's lives, whether it's a word of wisdom or word of knowledge, gift of healing, miracles, gift of faith. Sometimes the Lord energizes our faith in a miraculous way or maybe the gift of tongues. But the power is not ours. It's, it's God's. We're simply the servant involved in, in, in delivering the message and uh, you know I love that because that takes the pressure off of me and puts it on who it should be which is God who uh, accomplishes everything. First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 says uh, now about the gifts of the spirit uh, brothers and sisters I do not want you to be uninformed. I, I think that's interesting because it's been 2,000 years since the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it's been 2,000 years since the Apostle Paul wrote these verses, and yet we're still uninformed as a church. We don't recognize or really understand the gifts of the Spirit or, or how they should work, and frankly, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure whether it's just you know poor teaching on my part and other people's part, or maybe poor modeling of the gifts of the Spirit. Maybe we're a little bit of afraid I think, I think spiritual gifts, you know, uh, we're, we're raised in a scientific culture uh, as Americans. Our mindset is, is, is very scientific, and so we're a little bit intimidated by spiritual things, things we can't see, things we can't feel, and yet 
there's something about the gifts of the Spirit that require us stepping out in faith and learning how to be led by God and partner with God in the power of the Holy Spirit. But the spiritual gifts are very important. Uh, they were a huge part of Jesus' ministry. In fact, in every situation, every miracle, every healing, uh, there, there are often a variety of different gifts at work. Uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy. In fact, one of the stories we love uh, is, is John chapter 4. You know, the woman at the well. We talked about her the first week in this series. Jesus basically uh, receives a word of wisdom. Remember, Jesus was God. But he was a human being, human body. He had, a, he had a human mind. So there were limits to his mind. Jesus received a word of wisdom. This woman was searching. There was an emptiness in her soul. So he opens up a conversation about living water, trying to use a metaphor to stir in her heart a thirst for more. And then uh, the Holy Spirit gives him word of knowledge that she's had you know, five husbands and and, and the man she's with now is not her husband. And that just unmasks her soul. It just, just breaks through. It wasn't given in a condemning way. It was simply, she was suddenly aware that God knew who she was. That maybe God saw her. That she just wasn't lost, so to speak. And I'll tell you, there's so many people that need to know that God loves them and God sees them and they're not lost. And, 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 and Jesus speaks a word to her that, that gives her an awareness that God is there. You've had five husbands and the man you're not with is, uh, now with is not your husband. And all of a sudden she's, she's called kind of to, to account in a good way. And, and then he prophesies to her. She, she goes off on this rabbit trail and said, well, Jewish people say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. And, you know, the Samaritans, we say we should uh, worship on, the, on Mount of All. Uh, what, what do you say? And He just clears things up so powerfully. Uh, you know, not all roads lead to God. <laughs> Jesus said, salvation is from the Jews. Okay, there's been a plan. God's had a plan since before time. The Old Testament reveals his plan. Okay, salvation is from the Jews. But then he went on to say, but there is a day coming when you won't worship in Jerusalem or on this mountain. For God seeks worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth from their hearts with honesty and integrity in their life. And in that moment when he prophesies something about every one of us who's listening this morning, he prophesies to her about the destiny of her life, that God has a plan and a purpose for her life, that, that she doesn't have to follow religious rules or customs or traditions, that she can know God in her heart because God seeks those who worship in spirit and in truth. And in that moment, she sees divine destiny in her life. And she gets excited about that. She runs back to her village. She tells all these people, hey, come out and see this man who told me everything I've ever done. Is this the Messiah? And of course, they come out and as Jesus ministers to them, of course, they're convinced that he's the Messiah. But Jesus... <laughs> Jesus' ministry was characterized by the gifts of the, and power of the Holy Spirit. And, and in the same way, we need uh, the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit in, in our life. And I, I know some of you say, yeah, but, you know, Pastor, but, but that was Jesus. Well, let me read John 20, verse 21 and 22 
to you this morning. We've looked at it a couple of times in this series. On the evening when Jesus rose from the dead, uh, it says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you as he appeared to his disciples. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And as you're watching right now, I, I believe that's a word for you this morning. As the Father sent Jesus, he is sending you. God, God has a purpose for your life in ministry far bigger than you've ever thought or imagined. God has called you. He's set you apart. He, he has made you an ambassador for Jesus Christ. There's something holy about the purpose that God has for your life that's so much greater than anything you could ever do or accomplish in this world. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And I just even believe right now, like the Holy Spirit is wanting you to understand that you've been set apart for God. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And my prayer for you is to receive the Holy Spirit, that you would be filled, that you would be baptized, and that you would be empowered and learn to recognize his leading in your life in regard to a variety of different kinds of working that the Holy Spirit desires uh, to do through your life. You know, if you were a mechanic, uh, you, you need tools. Uh, to do your job today. In fact, one of the tools you got to have as a mechanic today, you got to have a computer because everything on your car is computerized. They can't work on anything without a computer. They need to be able to diagnose the problem. And, and to be honest, for all of us, I mean, people are great at putting on a show. And a lot of times it's real hard to diagnose what's really going on in their life. That's where we need a word of wisdom. That's where we need a word of knowledge. That's where we need to be able to prophesy what God's word says uh, for, for their life. We need a diagnostic. We need the Holy Spirit to download some information uh, into our spirit so that we can help uh, minister to the need that people really have. If you're a contractor, you need power tools, you need power saws or you know a power nailer or you know, I love these laser levels that help you uh, with, with uh, you know, balancing and making things accurate uh, during construction. In the same way, we need power. Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 8, you'll receive power. The, the Greek word is dunamis. It's the word we get dynamite. And I hope you don't blow anything up. I don't think that's the plan. But we need spiritual breakthrough because people are held captive by demonic strategies and strongholds in their mind and in their emotions. And it makes it so difficult to share the gospel because of the, the power of the enemy that, that holds them captive. Jesus came to set the captives free. Uh, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand and Jesus came to overthrow the works of darkness. And when we read about his life, by the way, not everyone got saved. In fact, to the best knowledge we have, we know after Jesus rose from the dead, he ministered to, I think, 500 in one place, it says in 1 Corinthians 15. So there were certainly a group of followers, but there are thousands who didn't follow. And it's a little discouraging sometimes when we're trying to share our faith. Not everyone gets saved. But there are moments where there's a dynamic of the Holy Spirit that can bring breakthrough 
in regard to uh, lies and uh, arguments uh, that have been set up against God in people's minds and, and people's soul. So we, we need the help and, and, and we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now let me go through some of them here and just talk about some of our misunderstandings about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? There are nine listed uh, in 1 Corinthians 12. There's the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, uh, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and and interpretation. There are seven uh, listed in Romans 12. There's prophecy, there's serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership and mercy there are are five listed in Ephesians chapter 4 apostles prophets evangelists pastors and and teachers so that's about 25 there are a couple of listed uh, in 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 Peter's letters as well first and second Peter and to be honest there are probably more I'm amazed at how I see Jesus' work in in many people's life. Many times they don't even know they're being led by the Spirit. And yet there's people that have so much creativity and ingenuity. I mean, they're amazing to me. And uh, many times as a result of their uh, ingenuity or creativity, they, they, they give life to something, they give leadership to something. I really believe the Holy Spirit is involved in that. I think, I think a lot of the medical discoveries, inventions, things that, 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 that literally change our lives health-wise and, and create more comfort, which I'm not sure that's always a good thing, but I think that all comes from God. I think he, he works in people's life who are Christians and non-Christians. But for many of us who are Christians, I think he's at work in a lot of ways that sometimes we don't even recognize. So the big question that people often ask is, what is my gift? I, I want to know, uh, what is my gift? And I don't think you're as limited as you think. In fact, I think our theology in this area is really, really bad. Um, basically, the way we've been taught, uh, I think it probably comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. I'm not sure, but let me read that verse to it. It says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, uh, we have come up with the idea that everybody has a spiritual gift, at least one. You know, some people are you know, Christian Power Rangers, they have two or three. So they're the, you know, mighty men and women of God and, you know, they're lucky, they got the ones that are fun, you got serving or something like that. And Not that serving is a bad gift, by the way, it's super important, but I, I think we, I think a lot of times the whole idea of spiritual gifts makes us feel defeated. I, I think sometimes we feel like, I, you know, I just don't, I don't have that gift, so I'll never do that. And and I just, I don't think that's good theology. I don't think that's at all what, what the Bible teaches. Spiritual gifts tests aren't a help. And the reason why is because they, they test you on what you've experienced, not what you haven't experienced yet. How many think there's more ahead? I do. And so when you take a spiritual gift test, although they are helpful in some ways, they'll ask a question like, you know, have you ever laid hands on someone and they were instantly healed? And you answer, no. Well, then they say you don't have the gift of healing. Well, what if tomorrow you do? I mean, I'm not trying to discredit tests. Tests are helpful. You've taken personality tests probably for the workplace. I took a personality test once. Our, our denomination was on the bandwagon for, you know, 
looking for leaders. And I'll tell you, based on my test, I should not be one. <laughs> I mean, I just don't fit anything. I just, you know, I just trying to obey Jesus. And, and uh, so anyway, uh, you know, tests are great. Uh, they certainly show a few things. Uh, they, they identify things that maybe have been a part of your past, but they don't tell you your future. And, and I think they lead us, especially when you're in a class, you know, you all look at your, oh, I've got this gift, or I've got this gift, and it's kind of like a bragging right, or, oh, I've got the gift of prophecy. Well, you know, anyway. I think, I think one of the reasons why we misunderstand spiritual gifts is we don't read the Bible correctly. I'm not sure it's our fault, but uh, let, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. There's a, there's a I believe, a gross uh, misinterpretation of that verse. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, it says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Do you know the word gifts is not there? How it got translated that way, I'm not sure. Uh, it started in the King James Bible probably back in the 1600s. But the word for gift, the noun for a specific gift, is the Greek word charismata. And it is not there. It's the word pneumaticos. And I'm going to have uh, Sonia put that up for her. It starts with a P, Sonia, pneumaticos. Uh, it's actually an adjective, not a noun. And it really is describing the things the Spirit does. So when you read 1 Corinthians 12, you're, you're not looking at a list of gifts that individuals have. You're looking at a description of ways the Spirit works. That's totally different. Can I tell you the ways the Spirit works? He works with words of wisdom. And he works with words of knowledge. And he, he works with gifts of faith. And he works with gifts of miracles. And he works with gifts of healing. And he works with gifts of tongues. These are the way he works. How is he working in your life? Well, so, sometimes we experience certain gifts. We recognize them. But we aren't limited to the ones we've experienced. Because I believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe he can work for your future. It, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. It says, Pursue love, but also earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And that says to me there's more. And it says to me that we as individuals following Jesus should be pursuing his presence, growing in our relationship with him. So for me, that is one of the... And I'm, so the word gross is probably not the best one, but certainly obvious. That is one of the obvious misinterpretations and misunderstandings that we have about spiritual gifts. I think all those gifts are available to you because these are the ways the Spirit works. They're the pneumaticos. This is what the, the, the Spirit does, okay? Romans 12, uh, there are seven gifts listed. And, and the word there, again, not charismata, these these are uh, motivational gifts. So in, in Romans 12, there are seven. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. Now, these are probably distinct gifts that you have. Because when God created you, he wired you a certain way. These are motivational gifts. I just, some people love to teach. 
Uh, some people want to encourage. I mean, everything they say, they just want to encourage people. Some are, are so motivated to serve. Uh, they, they, they just love the sacrifice of serving. They, they receive tremendous joy in that. Prophecy. Some want to exhort and, and encourage through the word of God. Some, some are, are just uh, willing to step up and lead. They have the gift of leadership. Some have the gift of giving and mercy. Now, now these are motivational gifts that are wired in us. I personally, I'm very motivated for mercy. I'm, I'm an encourager. Um, to be honest, I never would have become a teacher. I didn't know it was there. I didn't know I was gifted to teach. This is something the Holy Spirit brought about within me as a result of his presence. So to me, these are natural giftings that, that are part of the way we're wired, but they're also energized by the Holy Spirit. So God can take someone who has encouraging and mercy like me and also make him a teacher through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes we're energized to, to prophesy. We, we spend time in the word, we know the word, we spend time in God's presence, we feel his heart, we feel his love. And There are just moments where we know God is saying something to someone and we wanna give them that word. And, and so that's... Uh, that, that's another way that the gifts work. Uh, the, the five that are listed in Ephesians chapter four, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, although these are spiritual giftings, they're also roles and responsibilities. These are things that God has placed in people, but that people also recognize. That guy's a pastor. That person is a teacher. That person is an evangelist. Obviously, Billy Graham. Uh, was an evangelist. He had a role. He had an office in the body of Christ for the world. He was a world evangelist. Now, all of us are called to evangelism, but some have a distinct gifting and a role, assignment, apostle, someone who literally has faith, oftentimes a, a large vision for a region to accomplish something great, and many leaders come underneath their influence, and oftentimes they plant churches or start parachurch ministries, and they have this dynamic gifting. They're very entrepreneurial. They're very creative. And they have this apostolic authority that literally expands and extends the kingdom of God. The apostle Paul uh, was obviously an apostle. The word literally means messenger, but there's something more to it that has to do with spiritual authority. Now, there are different ways they work, but for you and I, we just want to discover how we can grow and understanding uh, the Holy Spirit and, and, and growing in gifts that he's given us. It seems, at least in my life, it, the Lord uses a lot of verbal gifts, I guess because I'm a speaker person in the body of Christ. And again, I didn't ask for that. It's just where the Lord, Lord put me. And as a result of that, I end up you know, receiving uh, sometimes a word of wisdom in a counseling situation or even in a time of studying the word. I, I receive a word of wisdom. It gives me insight into the word I didn't have before that helps other people apply the scripture uh, to their life. A word of knowledge is something that often happens and I've shared with you at other times ways the Lord has given me supernatural knowledge to help me uh, in a sermon, help me in a one-on-one -on -one counseling situation, help me make a decision. Uh, word of knowledge is, is common um, prophecy and a variety of things. I've had the gift of faith at times uh, for supernatural healing. Just all of a sudden, I just know they're gonna be healed. And so 
Uh, these are all different. I, I've never, to be honest, asked for gifts, but I'd seek the giver. And, and number one, if you're a note taker, I really believe the best way to get to know the Holy Spirit and to discover the gifts is seek the giver. Just seek Jesus. Just spend time with him. You, you can't spend enough time in prayer. And I know, I know we talk about that a lot, but I'm just going to be real honest with you. My, my wife is gone this weekend. Um, uh, yesterday morning, I, I, I got up and I, I knew what I was going to preach on. I had done my homework and I'd done my study. And I, but I just felt like I needed to pray. And I probably spent three or four hours just spending time with the Lord, spending time in prayer, walking around my house, sitting down, looking at the scriptures again, praying in tongues. And that's a gift I, I, th I feel like I need to talk to you about because it's been discounted so much. I, th I think that's demonic. I, I think the fact that Satan wants to remove tongues from the church because he understands the power and authority that happens when people learn to pray in the spirit with the gift of tongues. It's a powerful personal prayer thing. And I walking around the house, you know, praying in the spirit. You know, I just, I, I don't think you can spend enough time with God. Uh, and, and so I would just want to encourage you, if you want to grow in the spirit, if you want to grow in the gifts of the spirit, seek the giver. That's number one. Number two, seek to serve the Lord. See, the gifts of the spirit happen when you're serving. And, and when you're not involved serving, you know, you're probably not going to experience that manifestation of the spirit that talks about in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, the, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are to help other people and, and minister to other people. Uh, Frank Viola, a Christian author, I don't know if you've ever read him. Uh, a couple years ago, I was reading a book, and he was, he was talking about demonic powers, and I'm, I'm not into demons. I don't spend much time thinking about that, but he, in a paragraph, he talked about demon possession, and I'm gonna use it as an illustration here. He said, evil spirits desire to inhabit bodies because they crave expression. They're very selfish. They, they crave expression. Uh, th that's the whole point, he says, of possession. They seek to take over human bodies so they can express themselves through it uh, to employ wicked purposes on the earth. So that's obviously very negative and, and, and very evil. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is the total opposite. First of all, he's holy. He wants to glorify God. And he never takes possession. I think sometimes we're afraid of the gifts of the Spirit because we're, we're afraid we're, he's gonna control us. And he, he doesn't take control of you. He doesn't make you do anything. He invites you to participate in ministry that he wants to give away to other people. So there's a real freedom when the Holy Spirit's there. There is love, there's joy, and there's a real freedom and a real boldness to want to minister out of love. He never takes control. He never takes possession. But he does want to express Jesus Christ. He wants God to be glorified and he wants to do it through you. You see, God has chosen people, human beings on earth. He could have done it better himself, by the way. But he has chosen us as human beings to express who he is to the world, to declare his love. He, he's chosen us to demonstrate his power. 
you know, one time in my life when the Lord gave me a gift of faith that this particular person was going to be healed, and, and, you know, I went to the hospital. I'm so glad I didn't see him physically, because I went into that hospital believing beyond a shadow of a doubt he was going to be healed, and when I saw him, I thought, there's no way, because his body, he was so weak and emasculated, and yet I had to go with what God said. I just knew he was going to be healed, so I told the family he was going to be healed, and he was miraculously healed. They said he wouldn't live probably 48 hours, and in 48 hours he was up out of his bed, and two weeks later he visited me in church. And, and um, that was for God's glory. That was so that Jesus could be manifest in the world. And I just, just want to encourage you that God desires to be glorified. And, uh, and he uses us. He works through our life. So, so seek the Lord. Seek the giver. Uh, seek to serve. And as you're involved in serving, uh, God empowers you then, and, uh, and, and people are ministered, ministered to. The last thing I'll say, and I'll invite the worship team to come at this point, uh, give glory to God. It's not about you. You know what, as a young Christian, um, I, I felt like a lot of people that wanted to discover their gifts in a selfish way. It's kind of like they wanted the gift of healing so they could walk up to, you know, Skylake's Medical Center and clear out the hospital, you know, put them out of business, so to speak. And, you know, it was, it was kind of selfish. It was, it was human. It was about them and, and not about God. And, and uh, you know, spiritual gifts have never been about us. And, and it's all, all about Jesus. And, you know, sometimes, you know that insecurity that God can't use you? That's, that's a lie. Uh, that's demonic, that's false humility. That's a false humility that you can't be used by God. The truth is, God wants to use you. God has chosen to use you. God called you and, and, and set you apart. Jesus said in John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. So I just want to encourage you Make yourself available to God. Seek the giver and seek to serve and seek God's glory in and through your life. And I'm just trusting the Lord to stir up the gifts of the Spirit for us as a church in our lives individually. I think most of the gifts of the Spirit should happen outside church. I think they should be as we share with people, as we share our faith, as we pray for people, as we minister to one another. I think 99% of the gifts of the Spirit should happen in our homes and in our community as God is at work through us. Occasionally, they'll happen as we come together uh, under you know, his covering and his canopy, but uh, God wants to touch the world. So I'm gonna pray for us as we close here, and I just... I want to invite you to open up to the Holy Spirit here this morning. And Lord, as I pray, you know I've prayed. Lord, I've prayed a lot about this. Lord, I've prayed a lot about your anointing. Lord, it isn't so much the word that's shared, but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. And it's the anointing that changes. Just like, Lord, in young Isaac's life, it was your anointing. That, that drew him and brought him to a place of recommitment. It wasn't the word. The word may not have even been shared very well, but it was your anointing in that moment, Lord. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, some of us in our life, we've experienced your anointing. We've experienced your nudge and your touch. And 
Lord, I want to ask you to help us fan into flame the gift of God that is in us. Lord, I want to ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit. This week, Jesus, I ask you to speak to each one of us. Bring something alive in our spirit and give us the opportunity to share it with somebody else, Lord, so that we can be your messenger and we can minister by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit to a family member or a friend, a brother or sister here in the community. Help us be energized, Lord, and enabled by the gifts of the Spirit so that we can continue the ministry of Jesus. Oh, Lord, in, in the world we live in today. We thank you for that. Thank you for hearing our prayers today. We love you. Pray in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. And